Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to VetFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VetFriends is a national vitiligo support community founded by Valerie Molyneux. For information about VetFriends classes, support groups for youth, teens, and adults, you can visit us at www.vidfriends.org. For questions or comments, you can email us at support at vidfriends.org. Also, you can call us. The number is 844-374-3639. Again, that call-in number to reach Vidfriends is 844-374-3639. My guest today is Ms. Kimberly Dell. Welcome, Kimberly. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Good. I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Can't complain. So before we get started with our conversation, if you can just introduce yourself and tell our listeners where you're from, and then we will go from there. My name is Kimberly Dale Robinson, and I am born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Awesome. Thank you. And once again, welcome to our show. So, of course, you know our conversation is going to be about vitiligo. So I want you to go ahead and tell our listeners to start off uh, letting us know your journey with vitiligo. How long have you had it and when did it start? My journey with vitiligo started um, when I was in my mid-20s. And um, I first noticed it was just a very tiny, small, barely noticeable spot on my index finger um, that I really didn't pay too much attention to until it started to get a little bit bigger. Um, Then at that point, I noticed my fingertips began to turn white. Um, My toes around my toenails and around my fingernails, things like that began to fade and turn white. And that's when I went to see a dermatologist, and I was diagnosed with vitiligo. Okay. And, and you know, what's interesting, um, I've talked to several members. You know, I've interviewed several. And for those that started vitiligo later in life, it, it seems to be the 20s. You know, even for myself, it started my mid-20s. And it started mm-hmm. as a small spot on my hand and progressed to my nails and toenails and then for there, it just kind of did its own thing. Um, right. So tell us a little bit more about that journey. Um, when you noticed it, what, what were your initial thoughts and feelings as you saw it spread? Um, like I said, when I first noticed it, I didn't pay too much attention to it. As it started to spread on my hands and my feet, even then, um, I really didn't give it a whole lot of thought because it wasn't, very, very noticeable. Right. It was only after I got into my, I would say, it stayed pretty much at bay for some years, and then all of a sudden it just started to spread like wildfire. And and by that I mean it started to appear on my face. On my face first it started um, on the corners of my mouth, and then my eyelids turned white, 
my eyelashes turn white um under under my nose began to turn white so when that when it started to become noticeable like that that's when all the um mainly because of how society behaves when they right. see folks they see those of us with the LIGO. Right, right. Um I'm curious too cuz mine is similar. It's been at bay for a while on my face. Um mm-hmm. I know some people think I don't have it on my face, but I do. It's around my mouth and I have a spot on my neck. Um that's been at bay, but the spots on my legs, they have run rampant. Um and in particular during this pan- pandemic season. Um and I don't know mm-hmm. if it's high levels of stress or what. Um Going backwards a little bit, when you started to see that, was it anything that you were going through at the time that you might can consider as a catalyst to what what got it moving or, or what? Um, during that time, I'm trying to think. Um, I know I was going through a divorce, right? Um, so I'm sure that probably has something to do with it. Um. Other than that, just working and being a single mom and living everyday life, um, I can't say that there was anything else that started to um, to make it spread the way it did. Okay. Not yeah, and I often time. wonder, right, right, and I often wonder if how much the stress of just everyday living plays a part of that, you know, and I consider some of those things where you might deal with, um, or we as a community might deal with someone passing or the stressful work or relationships. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much all those things play into how much our vitiligo spreads. Because um, I've talked to many members and that has been the case where they say, I don't know how it started or where it started. It just appeared. Right. Now, the thing, um, I'm sorry. Um, the thing that's, no, you that's really thing that's really um, amazing to me about vitiligo is that the doctors and I had a wonderful doctor, world-renowned Dr. Henry Lim. He was at Henry Ford Hospital. Um, I'm sure some of you guys listening have heard of him, and may even be treated by him if you're in the Detroit area. But right. one of the things that I, you know he has told me, and things that I've read and researched, is that uh, one of the main causes of the LIGO spreading is is stress. Right. And it's really difficult to not feel any type of stress when you're watching your body change and there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. it, it right. It's, you know, how can you not feel stress when this is going on and you have to watch yourself not be yourself anymore. It's stressful in itself. So to try not to be stressful during that is like an oxymoron. I don't. Absolutely. I never could understand that. I was told the same thing by um, one of the doctors I saw here. He asked me, "How was I dealing with stress?" And I thought at the time I was handling my stress very well. You know, stress, just typical stuff, work and just friendships, relationships. It's all it. And he said, you know, when we stress, our bodies would do a lot of different things, you know, not just vitiligo, but, you know, eczema and other, you know, 
um, topical things we deal with and things in, inside of our bodies. So right. what he said to me, and I'm going to ask you about this, um, what are you doing to cope with the stress? And at the time, I didn't have an answer because I didn't know what I was doing to cope with the stress. Um, so <laughs> what are your thoughts about coping with stress or what have you done that can help other listeners to cope with their stress? Are you referring to the time when my vitiligo was was uh, spreading or? Well, we can talk current and then we'll back up. Then we'll go backwards to when it was spreading. Currently, what I do to deal with my stress, um, I have my children and I have my grandsons. And thank God I get to spend time with them even uh, through the pandemic. We are careful, but I have my family, and I have support of a few very close friends, um, people that I get that I can talk to about anything and everything. That has helped me cope a lot. Um, I'm not a hundred percent stress free. I don't think anyone is. Right. Absolutely. Especially in the times that we're living in right now. Um. So there are times when I will still find that I will isolate, but that's by choice. Right, right. And that makes a lot of sense. Now, backing up, um, now we're going to go backwards. Mm -hmm. So when your uh, vitiligo started spreading, what were some of your coping techniques, whether they were good, bad, or indifferent? What, What were some things that you did that, help you get through those tough times? Originally, when my vitiligo started spreading, I started taking treatments. I was doing um, the narrow band ultraviolet light treatments. I was doing topical treatments, uh, the tacrolimus, the elodel, things of that nature. And um, I had great progress with those, especially when it came to my face, um, certain areas of my of my body where my vitiligo began to spread. But it, as you know, um, the most difficult parts to repigment are your hands and your feet. Right. Um, so I had gained a lot of my pigment back through the ultraviolet light treatments, and that helped me. However, once again, as you know, you can only take those treatments for a certain amount of time before you have to allow your body a break from them because there can be a risk of cancer. Right. So during the break, you know, you gain you gain so much pigment, you gain a lot of your self-confidence back um, while you're going through these treatments. But then once you stop, all of the progress that you gained and the the pigment that you regained, you lose all of that, and you go. It was like a roller coaster ride, and I went mm. through this up and down, taking the treatments, gaining my pigment back, then having to stop taking the treatments, then losing my pigment plus some. Um, right. And I did that. I did that for. Um, Wow, I would say more than about twenty years. It was, this was a roller coaster ride, and it was, it was finally I said I need to, I want off. 
because I couldn't right. I couldn't take it anymore. And, and you know, um, Kimberly, I, so, I was going to say sorry, I talked to some other members. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say I talked to some other members that had a shared experience where their treatment was working, but they couldn't continue because of some of the other health 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 effects that may come with it, mm-hmm. such as cancer right. and other issues. Um, and I think that's what scares some members from doing treatment or seeking treatment because now you have the risk for something else that can be deadlier, you know, um, that could be health, you know, that, that can truly take away your health altogether, and that is that cancer. Um, anything you can say to our listeners who are seeking treatment, such as the light treatment and even some of the topical treatments, that can make them feel at ease? And we'll get to uh, some of the other things we discuss later, but anything that can make them feel at ease. The only thing that the only thing that I can say that would make some of our listeners with vitiligo feel at ease is I would think it would be best for them to do their own research um, to to find out what type of treatment would be best for them. If anyone, for right. instance, if anyone decides to want to do the ultraviolet light treatment, I would say do that for a short time and see if you get any results from it. Um, but personally, and I and I can only go from my own experience, of course. Personally, for me, the years that I spent doing the ultraviolet light treatments, doing the topical treatments, I once I made the decision to depigment, it's like I wish that I had made that decision 20 years before and, and not even taken any of those treatments. Right, right. So the only thing that I can the only thing that I can say for the listeners is, you know, do your research, consider it, talk to your family and your loved ones about it. That's a decision you want to make for yourself. Right. Um, and be and be comfortable. Be comfortable with it. At the time I made right. the decision, I was comfortable with it. But then once, you know, it got to become that roller coaster ride, and I wanted off. It, it just going through those treatments and that up and down thing, it it, would, it just became difficult to maintain. So it, it, it's something that someone would have to really consider. Right. And I will also say be careful. Um, and I say that because we get a lot of information passed through social media about things that are cures. And for our listeners right. to know, there's not a cure right now. There are treatments, yeah. but a treatment is, is not no a cure. cure. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and not to say that there will never be one, but there's currently not one. And, you know, right. you've got to be very careful on, you know, solicitations and things that come through, try this, try that. Because what happens out of desperation, we'll try those things, and sometimes it can be more harmful. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I would suggest that you know, anyone, I would, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I would suggest that anyone out there who may be considering any treatment, like I said, do research, read up on things, but also make sure that you have a credible doctor, right. someone who is going to be honest with you that's not going to use you as a guinea pig um, for different types of treatments. 
because they're I, I was blessed enough to, like I said, to have Henry Lim as my doctor, and he's one of the best in the world when it comes to vitiligo. So, right, you just have to research. And, and that's and that's very important that you say that too. Uh, for our listeners, make sure your doctor knows about vitiligo. Just because that person is a doctor, that doesn't mean they specialize in vitiligo. So, like Ms. Kimberly just said. Choose someone or search, do your research, find a doctor who knows about vitiligo. Not just, uh, excuse me, I shouldn't say just know. They have studied it. That's the difference because you can right. know about something. Yep. So exactly. let's, let's talk about um, this, this aspect of having vitiligo. So a lot of people see us on the outside, and they know what we look like on the outside, and they make their judgments on mm-hmm. us. Um, but on the inside, a lot of people don't know what we go through internally. And I always mention that we go through, you know, different phases. Of course, physically you see that. Then we have the emotional aspect of vitiligo, the mental aspect of vitiligo, the um, the psychological, all that stuff. Uh, then we have the spiritual side and then the social side. Um, what was the impact of vitiligo on you? Um for me, early on, like I said, it wasn't a I, – because I just had a few small spots here or there, it wasn't a very big issue for me. Once my vitiligo started to take over my entire body, then at that point it, it became a huge issue. And it wasn't necessarily an issue – let me say this up front um, – it wasn't an issue of vanity, I want to make that known up front for a lot of people who think, you know, it's all about you. You know, a lot of us are just concerned with how we look. Well, everybody's concerned with how they look, but having to deal with this was not an issue of vanity because the world can be absolutely cruel. Um, So there was that. There was that aspect which which caused a lot of, of emotional distress for me. Um. I, I um, early on, like I said, it was not a big issue. Once it started to spread, it started to become an issue, and it was basically because I noticed how people began to treat me differently. Right. I noticed how people began to look at me differently. Um, I would try to educate people. You know, there were some people who would kindly ask questions, and I had no problem educating them as to what vitiligo was, you know, and to assure them that this is not something that's contagious. So, you know, like if a cashier is handing me change back from a purchase, it's okay to touch my hand. You're not going to catch it, you know, that type of thing. Um, So there was dealing with that. And um, as it got worse, as it got worse, I, I, I began to um, isolate myself a lot. I for years, and I'm, I'm, this is this went on for years. For years, I would only leave the house to go to work and right. come home. Um, I wore heavy, heavy makeup, and I'm not one who wears a whole. At that time, I wasn't one who wore a whole lot of makeup, but I wore heavy makeup to hide what was happening to my face and my neck. 
However, I couldn't hide what was that. You know, my, my hands were completely white. My feet right. were completely white. I had blotches all over my body. Um, and even then, you know, you still get the stares, the questions, the rudeness right. from a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> I began to look at myself as being, literally, I called myself, this is what I called myself. I, I said I was monstrous. I, I was yeah. hideous. Um. And so, like I said, I isolated myself. In the summer months, it would it could be 90 degrees outside. I was wearing long pants and long sleeve shirts. Mind you, they were linen, but they were still long. I wouldn't wear dresses or short sleeves, not even short sleeve shirts. Everything was long sleeves and long pants. Um, and this is what I did for years until I finally made the decision to depigment. Uh, become fully depigment and just let my vitiligo do whatever it was going to do. Right. So there was there was the there was yeah. the stress of all that, and it it was it was it was hard. It was lonely. Um, the only people over the years who would ever see me without makeup would be my children and my doctor. Right. Uh, because I I mean I would put on full makeup just to go check the mail. You know, because I, w- I just did not want anybody to look at me and see me as monstrous as and as hideous as I felt I was. Right. And, and, you know, Kimberly, these are the stories that people that are not, not informed, they don't know, they don't hear about. And, yeah. and I've even heard people joke about, you know, people with vitiligo, because you know, growing up, that was the joke. Michael Jackson, he you know, look like Michael Jack, you know, and and not realizing yeah, there are people that day, truly struggle. Yeah, to this day, the jokes, the the Michael Jackson jokes, excuse, they 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 to this day they piss me off because people just right. don't get it. And when you make fun, I in my opinion, when when the jokes are made about Michael Jackson and and you know, well, you're making fun of me. Right. Quiet as kept, you know, you're, you're making fun of me too. So I'm the brunt of your joke as well. And it's not very funny. But people don't think about that. Right. Now, now uh, something else I, I'm going to bring up. There was a movie. Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. I watched it. Um, it had T.I., the rapper in it. And he portrayed someone with vitiligo. But to me, it was done in poor taste. For one, the makeup looked horrible, and they made him like a villain. So I was thinking, wow, you, you're taking our condition and you're making it, first of all, the makeup was horrible, was bad, and now you made this person a villain. But I'm thinking if you really wanted somebody with vitiligo, cast someone with vitiligo. You know? Someone with vitiligo, um, absolutely. Right, right. And, and I know there are some production companies that are doing a great job with casting uh, people with vitiligo in different roles. And there was one I had mm-hmm. some thoughts about, and I was talking to a friend of mine about it. Um, I can't remember. It was one of the police officer shows that's on. I don't know if it was Chicago PD, but they cast a gentleman that has vitiligo, and he was an undercover agent. And I'm thinking, you know, in this world today, I said, is that realistic? I said, so no. I have vitiligo. Could could I truly be an undercover agent and not be spotted mm-hmm. anywhere? Because, 
you know, first thing they're going to say, the guy with the spots, the guy with the hands, mm-hmm. we're noticeable, you know. Let's be honest. Absolutely. You meet us once, you'll remember us, you know. You may not remember our names, but you're going to remember how we look. So I, I just just curious about, you know, little things here and there. Um, what we're going to do real quick, and then we'll get back to our conversation. I have a few announcements to make, and then we'll jump okay. right back into it, okay? All right, but don't go anywhere. Okay. Don't hang up. Just a few announcements. All right. To our listeners, um, next Friday, May 21st, we're going to have a 30-minute Zoom party uh, that is through BitFriends. Uh, you can go through our Facebook page, and you can sign in. That will be with our Vitiligo DJ, DJ Shell Rock, also known as Spotty McFly. And that's something new that we're testing out. So we're going to be on Zoom at 9 o'clock uh, just to open up the conversation dialogue. And then around 9.20ish, hopefully he'll join us, 9.30, we'll get started with the party. Just 30 minutes. We don't know what we're going to do in the future, but we're doing something different. We're going to have a little fun with um, our community, so join us, please. And if, you need that, if you're one of my friends on Facebook, you need that registration information, just shoot me a, a private message, and I'll get that to you. That is on this Friday, May 21st, starting at 9 o'clock, later than normal. May 30th is my next podcast. I'm going to do a pre-recorded conversation with Sharon King from Liddy Ligo. We decided to do pre-recorded because it is a holiday weekend. I, I would like to enjoy that weekend as well as others. So you can always go back and listen to any of our conversations um, that we have, any of our podcasts. You can listen to them through Blog Talk Radio, Spotify, iHeart Radio, Radio, and also on iTunes. So we are all over the place. And then on June 26th, that is World Vitiligo Day. That is on a Saturday. And we are going to have our conference there. Um, The website you can visit is 2021-2021.wvdusa.org for more information about uh, World Vitiligo Day that is hosted through the Global Vitiligo Foundation and my Vitiligo team. And that is at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 Central Time and 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that's all I have for announcements right now. If I get anything before we depart, then I will bring that up. So, Ms. Kimberly, let's get back to our conversation. Um, real quick, let's talk about okay. family and friends. Um, how, what was your, um, what, what was it like in, 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 I guess your movements and your interactions with family, friends, and let's say even coworkers, because we, you know, we do interact with our coworkers sometimes. As your right. vitiligo was developing, um, well, my family was a hundred percent supportive of me from the very beginning, so that was never an issue. Um, as you know, sometimes people can say, you know, when they look at you, well, you know, like my kids would always say, well, mom. I don't see your vitiligo. I just see my mom. Right. So I get that and I understand that. Um, and and it, the support of my children was wonderful. I, I still have their support to this day, even though I'm completely depigmented. Um, I had a couple of wonderful friends, one in particular who I only met on Facebook and he lives in California. Um, his name is John Pittman. And we're still Facebook friends today. 
and um, never met this man in my life, but we just began to chit-chat on Facebook, and he was very supportive of me, um, super supportive of me, surprisingly, throughout my, my Facebook journey. Um, right. We had lost contact for some time, and once we connected again on Facebook, at that point he had he'd seen where I had actually become completely depigmented and he was, you know, full of congratulations and you did it and, you know, I knew you could do it. And um, so he was one person that was super supportive of me, even though we've never even seen each other in person. Um, I had some great coworkers who I'm still very good friends with today who um, were supportive of me and just saw me as me. Right, right. Um, because they, they knew me. Yeah, they just they just saw me as me, and they they watched my journey um, go. They watched my vitiligo as it spread. Um, but they were always very supportive of me. And if I if I needed to talk, they were willing to listen. So I'm thankful for for all of them, and especially for um, my children and my family. I'm glad that I had those the support, you know, that daily support. Right. Um, good, good. Yeah, even though there were the times when I would isolate, like I said, um, I would only go to work and come home, my children would <laughs> would do their best to try to get me out of the house, try to get me to do something, but my vitiligo had spread so badly that I was just in a point where I just felt like I, my only safe space for me was was in my house, and that's where I stayed. Right. Only only leaving to go to work, and then come right back home. That's that's one of the aspects of vitiligo. People don't we we understand because you know we have it, we go through it. But so many other people that may see us don't understand. We self isolate because it's hard to deal with the public. Absolutely. That's the worst, and I believe that's the worst part of it is dealing with the public. It's already bad enough when you you look at yourself every day in the mirror, every day, and you watch yourself change from the person you used to be, in my case, because like I said, my bit of life started in my mid-20s. So I was no longer the person that I used to be, and I watched myself change daily. I mean, new spots would creep up daily, and sometimes it could be just the smallest, tiniest little spot, and I would just bust out in tears. Right. Um, Because that's how devastating it was to watch myself change and know there was absolutely nothing I could do to be me again. Right. And, and that's what that what's important because with vitiligo, it, it does take a, a, a part of your self-identity away. You know, um, I, I talked to a gentleman and, and he said, you know, my pride came from my skin. He said, I'm a black man, but now when I look in the mirror, I don't see that man I used to be. And, you know, that's very powerful because – our skin, a lot of time, is our identity. You know who we are as people. Yeah, I'm. This is me, and my skin is this. And then when vitiligo hits, it changes the whole outlook because you look in the mirror and you don't see that person anymore, or you see parts of that person. You know. Um, right. So let's talk about skin. 
um, you decided mm-hmm. to completely depigment. Can you share with us that process? What was it like? What were your thoughts at the time? And, and just share with us, because I don't think we hear too many stories about people that choose to do it. Um, at the time I made the decision to completely depigment, like I said, I had gone through 20 years of treatments, you know, regaining my pigment everywhere on my body except my hands and my feet, only to lose it when I have to stop the treatment for, you know, because you have to stop every once in a while. And mentally and emotionally, I got to a point where I just could not take it anymore. Um, I was tired of the up and down with the treatments. I was tired of hiding under makeup and clothes. And I talked to Dr. Lim, and I told him, I said, you know, I just want my vitiligo to do whatever it's going to do because this is a losing battle, and I don't want to spend the rest of my life on this roller coaster ride. Um, We talked about it. He asked me if this was, you know, if I was sure this is what I wanted to do because, you know, who knows when a treat, a cure may come up, a, may, a cure may come up, and if I am completely depigmented, then if a cure does come up, then it's not going to help me. Right. Well, I understood that, but, you know, for most of my life I've been fighting this thing and I'm losing, and I don't want to lose anymore, so I'm going to let vitiligo do what it does. And... Right. um it was a hard decision to make, um, especially going through the process of allowing the vitiligo, you know, after years of having treatments to, to just decide no more treatments and then watch yourself actually watch the vitiligo just take over your entire body. That was right. very hard to go through. And during that transition period, I think that was that was probably the hardest time of my life because um, my vitiligo was super noticeable. And um, it just made life difficult. And I, even though I had dealt with vitiligo for as many years as I did, to watch myself transition, you know, allow myself and watch myself transition permanently to absolutely no more pigment, it was kind of devastating. Right. Because like you said, you, I was watching myself lose a part of my identity. I was watching myself lose my blackness. Um, and that's a whole other thing in itself, you know, because unfortunately in the black community, you know, there are even prejudices within the black community of, you know, the light skin versus the brown skin and, you know. Right, right. So there's that. And it's just always, it was always something to deal with. And it was rough. I will not tell anybody that it was an easy process. It was a very difficult process for me. Um, A lot of crying, a lot of... um, you know, why me? And then I had to really come to grips with it and say, well, Kimberly, you know, why not you? You know, everything doesn't always happen to other people. You know, sometimes we look at it, well, that's, that's, that's something that happens to other people. That can never happen to me. No, yes, right. it can. And, and it did. 
and I had to learn how to accept that. And um, I began to appreciate the fact that for whatever reason, and even today I still don't know what the reason is why God chose me, Right. you know, for this. I don't know what path I'm supposed to take with this. I don't know where my life is supposed to go with this. I just know it was something that I dealt with for a whole lot of years. Um, I think I'm a little bit stronger for it. Still have some work to do because there are still times that even though I am completely depigmented now, 100% depigmented, I have not not a spot of my original pigment left on my body. Right. Um, but there are times, like I said, when I deal with the fact that, um, you know, I, I'll look at myself and, you know, I'm I'm looking at this, I wouldn't even call my, consider myself a Caucasian person because a Caucasian person has pigment, so I'm not even that. I'm just right. somebody who has no no color at all. And it, it, it's hard sometimes, especially in the summertime. But, right. you know, I'm learning. And um, I'm dealing with it a lot better than I than I was, and I will, I'll continue to get better as time goes on. Absolutely, and, and you know, and that's the key that we we have to learn how to live with our vitiligo. I think a lot of times we allow, you know, our our skin to determine what we do. You know, vitiligo is making us do this and do that. But regardless of what treatment or what decision you make, you know, you have to say, you know what, I'm going to live my life, and vitiligo has to live with me. And, you know, and, and I see that in our community. We got some people that are, are living that, you know, hey, I'm doing my thing. But we also have oh, yeah. some that still need that support, you know. Um, Absolutely. I, now, I've always been in awe. I'm sorry. I've always been in awe of those of us with vitiligo, especially the women who are able to go without makeup and just let themselves be themselves because I was never able, I was never strong enough to do that. Um, And the crazy thing now is that now that I have become completely depigmented, people give me compliments all the time on my skin. It, and it's the craziest thing, you know. It's like your, your skin, your skin is so smooth, and your complexion is so even, and your skin is beautiful. And I think to myself, if you only knew. Right, right. <laughs> but you know, and that's a, that's a part of it. Most times they don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. Yeah, and then I, I don't I think, tell them. I just say thank. I graciously say you thank just you. Just take it, it yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that's the thing, you know, um, people, there are some people that are genuine with their compliments. There are some that compliment for various reasons, you know, and, and there are some people that really love vitiligo skin. You know, we have the patches. There are some people that are just fascinated with it. Um, and you don't often know, you don't know what you're going to get when you deal with people, Um whether somebody's really interested in you or liking you for the person you are, you know, hey, you know, that's Kimberly, she's cool, you know, and, or that's Kimberly, she had the condition and I want to be cool with her. You know, you, you just don't know what people. But 
the thing is, you also have to be okay with you. You know what I mean? Um, and I think when people see that, whatever confidence you have, they, they kind of want, wow, I want some of that. You know, I want some of that confidence she has or he has, you know. Um, and I know in our community it, it fluctuates. People are so different. Now, you, right. um, you know, um, you've gone to different support groups, not necessarily a member, but you, you've interacted with several, correct? Yes. How was that? Um, Just to talk about real quick, and then we're going to talk about a few other things. Um, What's the importance of, or do you think the importance of seeking support groups? I think it's very important to to seek and be a part of support groups because for the longest time, I felt like I was in this all by myself. And... um, it wasn't until I, I joined Facebook, which was back in 2009, it wasn't until I joined Facebook that I became aware that there were vitiligo support groups out there. And it was so refreshing once I became members of several of the uh, that are on, on Facebook that it was it was just so refreshing to finally be able to communicate with and listen to other people's stories who were going through the exact same things right. that I was going through. It didn't make me feel like I was the only one, you know, like I was just in this whole world by myself anymore. Right. And it made me, for lack of a better term, it made me proud to be, you know, part of this community with these people because we can all relate to what we're, what we're all going through. Right. You know, absolutely. and we can we have somebody that we can talk to and communicate with who actually understands. Right. Now, I want to, so, before we get to the end of our show, there's one aspect of vitiligo I like to talk about, and that is the dating relationship aspect. Um, I do hear from members from time to time. I get uh, inbox messages just sharing their struggles with dating and relationships. Um, and, and and some, uh, I'm just going to say, you know, with dating people with vitiligo, I think people see our vitiligo on the outside and not necessarily understanding that, you know, vitiligo is not just, on your hands, face, feet, where you can see, but it's other areas of the body, just keeping it, you know, PC for radio. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother level of insecurity that we don't talk about a lot within our community because I understand it's that fear, it's the embarrassment. Um, I sat in on the group with men and we talked and, you know, that was one of the things we discussed. We, you know, we talked about the embarrassing part of being in a relationship and considering an intimate setting with someone, but being afraid. Um, With our community, or not just with our community, with the people that are not familiar, I'm just going to say, you know, you got to be very um, careful 
and respectful of how you interact with our community. Um, and and not just that, you know, don't use us as your, as you said, like like a tool, you know, like, hmm, I have my curiosities. Don't do that, <laughs> you know, because sometimes you can make it worse for someone with vitiligo. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts about relationships, dating, all that aspect? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's part of all of that is a part of life, relationships and dating, and that's something even though, you know, those of us who have it are like, oh, we still want the normalcy, that normalcy and part of our life where right. we are dating and falling in love and in relationships with people. Um, it takes a very understanding person to date someone who has vitiligo. Um, And that person has to be very open-minded. That person has to be someone who wants to be with you for you and not just for what you look like. Um, At the time when my vitiligo started going haywire, I wasn't dating anybody, and I tried online dating, and I met a few guys. We hit it off online, and uh, it got to the point where, you know, there was just the communication online, and it began an exchange of telephone numbers, and, well, let's, let's talk on the phone, and getting to know each other just through that way. Um, and I, mind you, I'm in full transition, losing my pigment, and um, but I would hit it off, you know. One gentleman I hit it off with extremely well, and he lived in another state. And I never told him because I was afraid. I never told him about my vitiligo because I was I was I was terrified. It's no other word to use. Um, because I liked him. And he liked me, but I didn't know how to tell him what I was going through, so I di- I didn't. I just I just thought, okay, well, we're hitting it off, and we like each other. And when he sees me, it's not going to make a difference. I could not have been more wrong because mm-hmm. when we finally decided to meet and he flew here to meet me, it was like you would have thought I had plague. Right. It was devastating. Right. It was devastating. And... I blame myself because this was something that I should have, you know, let, I should have made it be known at the very beginning, but I liked this guy and I was afraid. Um, So therein, my confidence wasn't as strong as I thought it was. And I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for for dating anybody. And um, it was just, you know, that was a huge wake-up call for me. But for anybody, you know, who's dealing with vitiligo, um, be they transitioning or still having the spot, I would just say um, take it slow, be very careful, let the person that you're interested in, let, please let them know up front what you're dealing with. Right. Do right. not make the mistake that I made, you know, by, you know, developing feelings for someone only to be, you know, shot down at the first, you know, the first sight of me. Right. <laughs> you know. I, I get it. That was just, and, and, 
horrible. And you know, it happens to men and women alike. You know, um, we live in a, a a world that wants perfection in people, but nobody's perfect. Everybody has something. You know, yes, we have our right. our skin condition, but I feel like the others got to dig deeper. And also within our own community, because um, I know we have some people that live with vitiligo and they won't date somebody else with vitiligo. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I, on one end, I understand that because you kind of feel like, well, I have the condition and I don't want to be with somebody else with the condition because now we're going to get double the stairs. But if you like somebody, you have an interest, pursue that person. None of none of that on the outside truly matters. It's what the person is like in the inside that really matters. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. There's um there was a movie, it's a comedy. And I think I mentioned this this to you when we spoke before. Mm-hmm. It's a comedy. It's called Shallow Hell. Yeah. And um, I'm sure maybe a lot of other folks listening have seen it. It's supposed to be a comedy. Um, but at the time when I was transitioning and losing my pigment, I used to wish so badly that the world was truly like that, that people could look at me, that somebody could look at me. Don't see me for what I look like on the inside. Please look at me and be able to see me for who I am on the inside and love me for that person. And even though that movie was supposed to be a comedy, I would watch that movie and I would be bawling because it hit so close to home for me that I just wanted to be seen for myself and not just be seen right. for what I look like on the outside. Absolutely. And, and that's where I think a lot of us go wrong because we are, we, we are, let's be real, we're attracted to what's on the outside, but we forget that's just a shell. You know, once you get past that shell, what's inside that person is going to matter. You know, who are they as a person? How do they treat others? How do they treat you? You know, all that stuff is really, really important. I have um, have run into some people who are absolutely beautiful, both men and women, gorgeous people. But their personalities and people that they are make them some of the most ugliest human beings you've ever seen on the planet. Absolutely. And, and Kim, it looks like we have somebody that's on hold from your area code. Um, I'm going to bring them on. I did not give out the number, but we'll see uh, who's here for Detroit. So if you'll give me a second. Okay. Greetings, caller. Welcome, caller. I am a caller from the area. I don't know if it's... Me that you hear? Yes. What is your name? And you're calling from Detroit as well. Yes, I'm calling from the Detroit area. I'm, I'm Karen. Well, welcome, Karen. Hi, Karen. Uh, hello, Kimberly. <laughs> yeah, I was very, very impressed with. Um, I know Kimberly very well, not as well as from her angle of vitiligo. Um, I don't know if I could share any parts. We went to high school together. And so that would have been um, prior to her uh, transformation. And I just knew her vaguely as a track runner who could run, and I couldn't. Um, (laughs) And only later knew her um, after the transition had occurred. And we're very close to this day, but not because of vitiligo, just because we both have 
other I have other uh physical challenges and so I can appreciate some what I was listening to, the double takes, the double stares, the just the right. the judgment within the black community too was interesting to me. I was just listening to some interesting points, shaking my head and raising my hand over here saying, Oh hallelujah, oh my goodness <laughs> Because it's it's even unfortunate within that last comment I think you made, sir, where a person with the same condition would opt not to want to date someone with the same condition to avoid the double stares, right. which I, I just think is unfortunate because the persons are blessings and to be able to yourself and the other person, but not Absolutely. to discard anyone, especially because you have the same condition, you have more in common, you would think. So I was just mm-hmm. sitting here, I had knew the show was coming on, so I would be right there listening. Kimberly knows me. I miss it. Not, not anything she's in. I think there is a future for you, my dear, in uh, public speaking or wherever you're led, because there's a lot of people who don't have the support or have made it that far in your journey so far. I know the journey's not done, but just to hear you share and open up and I think will be quite instrumental for a lot of people who aren't that far on that journey or any other journey that they're dealing with that's health-related. Absolutely. You said for the like, you really don't want me on this air because I will talk for a minute. But <laughs> um, I'm, I'm very proud. I'm, I'm glad to hear the camaraderie that there is. The Facebook for me and, and the conditions I dealt with coming on also in '09 was instrumental because you feel like you're no longer on that desert island. You no longer are right absolutely. alone. And so when I met Kimberly, she was completely transformed, and so I, I saw her as a beautiful. Uh, fair-skinned black woman. I didn't. I didn't know her even from high school. It had been so you know long since, so I couldn't remember her from then. So she didn't appear any different to, to me at all because she was totally who she is. But I I love her from the heart outward. So I never have judged you know how you looked before and what you look like now. That's not the way that my my nature is. But. I'm enjoying the show. I'm enjoying the work that I'm hearing because everybody needs a forum to be able to, yes, thank you know, you. come to. So good job. Good job. Thank you, my friend. I love you. I love you more. And that's what we're here for, to give our members an opportunity to share their stories, um, not just with our community, but to the world, because this is a worldwide broadcast. And we do reach members in other countries and, and to hear our stories and, to be encouraged and to know that you do have a community of people that support you and understand what you're going through. Um, mm-hmm. Myself, I have vitiligo, and I also thought that I was the only one. Well, I knew one other person, but still my world seemed really small until I went to um, friends, and I'm like, wow, all these people, you know, wow. And And even now with the pandemic, I know more people virtually and I look forward to meeting people personally, you know, in person uh, in the coming year or so. But um, but I thank you for joining us. Um, I saw the number pop up, and I I hesitated for a minute because we've had prank calls. So I, I sat on it, and I said, well, it's the same area code, so it must be someone who knows Kimberly. So thank you, Ms. Oh, Karen. absolutely. I wouldn't yeah. have missed it for the yeah. world. <laughs> thank you so much. And before <laughs> we wrap welcome. up, um, Kimberly, I'm going to go ahead and give you an opportunity to share one last thought, um, something positive with our listeners, because if not, we're going to get cut off by the um, the system here. But if you'll go ahead and share one last thought. Um, my last thought is 
even though um, we live in such a vain world, um, I would suggest people take the time to get to know people before you judge what they look like on the outside. And I have to be honest and say that prior to my coming down with vitiligo, I was one of those who, you know, had, you know, my, the concept of what I wanted in my mate and the person that I wanted for me. And um, having gone through what I've gone through, I've learned how to let all that blow out the window and right. get to know a person for who they are. Um, because there's some beautiful people out here, um, both on the inside and the outside, but more so what's on the it's to me it's what's on the inside that counts and I had to learn that. So I just I just suggest that people put aside the vanity for a while. And we all want what looks good to us on the outside. But you know what? Something that looks good to us on the outside will not always feed our soul and make us feel good on the inside. And that's what I seek. And that's what I suggest Absolutely. a lot of people try to try to do. Feed your soul. Not just not Absolutely. just your eyes. But, you know, feed what's inside because that's where you're really going to be happy. You can be with the most handsome, most beautiful person in the world and be miserable on the inside. Absolutely. So make sure you make sure you feed your soul. You look for what is going to feed your soul, what is going to be supportive to your soul and what's going to make your soul happy. Absolutely. So thank you, Ms. Kimberly Dell Robinson, for your time, for joining in. Thank We're you. almost out of time. I, I appreciate I like you having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And it was, it was a blessing talking to you earlier and to talk to you now. And, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for listening in. And just remember, you can always go back and listen to this on the other platforms such as uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, iTunes, and also here at Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we'd like to thank Valerie Molino and Good Friends for allowing us to have this platform to share with others and so they can share their stories and we can hear the stories. And I'd like to thank our guests for calling in today. That's Miss Karen. Uh, I do have her on hold, so may not hear her respond. But thank you, everyone. Have a blessed Sunday. Take care, and always remember to tell somebody that you love them. Have a great Sunday. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.